0: Let's take a couple minutes and quiet down and focus. Just take a deep breath in, breathe in the love of God, and breathe out what's troubling you. And breathe in the love of God. And breathe out what's troubling you. God, we ask this morning that you would settle over each one of us. Holy Spirit, you'd settle over us. Many of us are wrestling, lonely, restless, maybe grieving. And we we pray that you would settle over all of those things in us this morning, that you would speak to our hearts. And we pray in this time when there's so much uncertainty, Again, this week, God, we pray for your direction, for your speaking to us clearly. And and as many of us are are discovering things about ourselves because we can't be busy, running hard, uh, we pray that you would speak to us and we would be um, paying attention to the things that you're raising up in us. And we'd be paying attention to what you want to do around us. And we thank you that you are on the move, and that you always have uh, things for us to be doing, you're always moving on those around us. And we want to pay attention better in this time, we want to pay attention as we're uh, running across people on our street when we're walking, or when we're in the stores, and just help us, Lord, with, with having that faith and attitude that is, like, prepped and ready wherever we go, to be listening for what you're doing, and speaking those words of love to a world who desperately needs it. In Jesus' name.
1: Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run the fountain I drink from oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the shadow to
2: The Salvation Army and I've had the pleasure of having some of the lovely ladies from Blue Water Mission uh, volunteer with me as we're distributing all kinds of food to the different housing projects uh, across Honolulu right near church. Hey
0: guys my name's Lauren. Um, it's just been really fun. I wanted to tell you guys just a little bit about what we're doing. Um, we're going to all the government projects, um, housing around the area and just giving out free groceries and it's been a really fun way to connect with the community and be able to bless people in a, in a tangible way. It's super easy and the greatest thing, we're all laughing, joking the whole time and like having a blast just being in community, but also getting to do a bunch of good. So it's been really fun to see just the light, the light in people's eyes and on their faces when you hand them groceries and they know that they're gonna have food for their families for the next couple weeks. Hey Water, this is Kristen Gilbert, and um, yeah, when Connor sent out the
3: notice asking for help, I just knew it was something that my daughter Karis and I could do and would love to do, being the hands and feet of Jesus and sharing his love, and um, it was great today when we went around. I actually got to go to an apartment that I'd been to two weeks ago, and a lady saw me, and we recognized each other, and we had a moment, and it was great, and um, just being able to make connections like that and share God's love and hopefully bless people and, um, yeah,
2: grow his kingdom. So good to see our Blue Water people being salt and light in the world. The Salvation Army is a longtime recipient of Blue Water's Poor Fund. For those of you who are new to that term, uh, what we have decided to do with our tithes and offering is to give 25% off the top right away to organizations that work with the poor. Uh, So, we really love what they do. Uh, Connor needs uh, a lot of hands during this distribution time, and if you're available on Fridays from around 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., he would love your help. Uh, Just text him and we'll bring up the number on the screen. Uh, So, we're going to continue our worship with our offering. If you're new or visiting, please feel no obligation to give this morning. Uh, But we would love to keep in touch with you, so go to our website, bluewatermission.org, scroll to the bottom and sign up with your email address, and we'll shoot you a weekly newsletter, usually just once a week. A reminder that after service, the prayer line is open from 10.30 a.m. for the next half an hour. Uh, during the service, perhaps God will speak something to you or you want to respond to something. It always helps to have someone uh, pray with you. So just email Julie at bluewatermission.org and somebody will from the prayer team will call you. Over the next week, uh, we are going to be doing a selfie style um, community in quarantine, photojournalism project. Uh, we would love you to go out and take pictures of your community with your neighbors. You can look at the Blue Water email for more information about that. And if you're feeling lonely or stressed in this time, did you know that our SOZO team is still operating virtually?
3: Yeah, definitely. We'd love to minister to you via online session. Um, we have been doing sessions online. They've been going really great. We've had some awesome breakthroughs. So. If you want to sign up for a SOZO session, all you have to do is go to the Blue Water website, go under ministries, SOZO, and then click on sign up for a session and you submit your application that way. So we hope to hear from anybody who feels led to get a session. Thanks.
2: All right, so many ways to get involved. Let's pray for the kids. Kids, can you stand up? Oh Father, we thank you for our children. Uh, We thank you uh, for the ways in which uh, they bring life and light to this congregation and to our households Uh, bless their time with you uh, with with joy with love and with um just a new revelation of what it means to live life with you we pray in jesus name amen all right let's see what jordan has for us today You can
4: never totally control what kind of life you have, but you can always control what kind of person you are. True, false? Agreed. I think we sometimes try to blame our own behavior on our circumstances or sometimes on our relationships. Don't do that because your own behavior is the one thing in life that you can actually control. You're in charge of you, right? I am in charge of me. It's about all I'm in charge of. Now, what am I gonna do with that? Am I gonna follow the script or am I going to write a new story? Do you like my lay? Beautiful. Adrian got me this and I got it via delivery at the church office this morning. It's probably interfering with my microphone so I'll take it off but I thought that was very pono, sending a lay, and supporting a local business. Way to go. Um, things aren't normal in the world right now. Have you noticed this? Uh, because of this whole virus thing. And now, predictably, as we discussed a little bit last week, we are seeing headlines about how to get back to normal. And there are all these political fights in the country right now about how, when, uh, the country should be getting back to normal. Uh, there are all sorts of protests around the country. People are protesting government policies against the shutdown because they want to open back up. They want to go back to work. Uh, Everywhere in the country, except probably New York, uh, things have gone way better than was feared. And that's really good news. That feels like a big blessing. Um, But now the economic costs of the shutdown are looming upon us. People are really starting to feel that now that the fear of the virus has dissipated at least a little bit in most places Um, and the economics of what has happened is scaring people people are scared of of different things or or maybe it's a matter of what scares you more what scares you more the virus or the looming economic crisis what scares you more 55,000 deaths in our country or 26 million jobs lost. You can take your pick. They are both scary things, and 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 you know we're Americans, dang it. So who are we going to blame for this? You know, Trump's probably to blame, right? You can always blame Trump, or maybe it's the Chinese communist government that's to blame. Uh, we know that, you know, they lied somewhere along the way. Or maybe you want to blame the state governors who are keeping everyone under sort of house arrest of a sort. And doggone it, they should butt out of our lives. People are angry, which often happens when people get scared. Can't we just get back to normal, I think, is a question that is on people's lips these days. Or maybe, uh, can't we just get on with the new normal? And somebody, please tell us what the new normal is going to be. Uh, because we don't know yet. It's a tumultuous time. And if you can just sort of take a step back from the, the, the suffering, which has been considerable, or the controversies, which have been considerable, I think you'd see that this is, this is just a really amazing time filled with, well, you got the obvious physical threats, and you got what are, to me, obvious psychological threats, I think we've seen a lot of psychological, emotional, spiritual revealers. Uh, what I mean by that is how people are responding to the crises says a lot about their personal psyches, right? their, their, their own psychological makeup, and maybe their susceptibilities to the power of, of groupthink, stuff like that. It's like a giant social Rorschach test that provokes people to respond in emotional ways. In any case, things aren't normal. Uh, The normal script of life has just just gone out the window these last few months. And some of us just desperately want someone to tell us what the new script is. Uh, But some of us might be able to find fruitfulness even during The abnormal time. Some of us might take that as an occasion to be creative. I really love the book of Acts. We are starting a new sermon series. We're going to plow through the book of Acts. I like that book particularly because it is, is the history of the early Christians, the early church. And it's a history that took place during fluid times, chaotic times. And, and the early Christians and the early Christian leaders, man, they were just finding their way through the chaos. Uh, and usually the Holy Spirit would show up to give them some guidance, but very often when the Holy Spirit did that, it, it knocked them off balance a little bit. God was always surprising people on the way that he did things and, and uh, led them through the chaos, so, uh, so let's read our passage for today. It comes from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. I wonder, is there anybody out there who can help me read that?
3: One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the
4: temple called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts.
2: When Peter and John, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money.
0: Peter looked at um,
1: him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us,
3: and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God,
1: they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate. called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him.
3: While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade.
2: When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man
3: walk?
1: The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You kill the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, the man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see.
4: All right. Thanks, guys, for reading. Appreciate your help um a, uh, a compelling story of a miraculous healing. Here's how I would summarize the story. Uh, people were on their way to the temple, which was a normal practice. Everything was going along normally and then suddenly, things got abnormal in a hurry. Um, out of, out of the normal chaos Peter and John made a miracle happen for a guy who really needed a a miracle exactly how did it happen how did Peter and John make this miracle go down one of the things I think you have to admit about the story is that Peter and John could have easily gone along with the flow they end up healing a a paralyzed guy um, who uh, had to beg for a living. They end up healing him, but there's no indication in the story that God told them to do it. They were just passing along, and for whatever reason, they saw this, uh, this paralyzed beggar, and, and they made a decision. They took an action because it was there for them to take, evidently. And I love that about the story. I love that they just sort of decided to make it an exceptional day. Um, didn't take the voice from heaven to make them do that. They were just open to it. And and they, they pulled the trigger, so to speak. So uh, they're going along with the flow until they decided not to go along with the flow. And then and they make this miracle go down. And the first thing they did, step one, is that they, they, they made things human, didn't they? They, they saw the beggar. Um, and it says that Uh, You know, they they looked at him and they said to the beggar, look at us. In other words, they made contact. That's what I mean by making it a a human moment. Uh, If you want to make something significant happen in the world around you, here's the first tip. Make contact with the people around you. Not just like, you know, passing scripted sort of contact, but, you know, look someone in the eye and say, hey, let's do something here. Let's, let's have a moment. You want to have a moment, Ben? Now? Later. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. Um, but that, that's what they did. They just made human contact with the guy. Um, you can think about this uh, photo homework assignment that, that we're giving the church. Antonio talked about it during announcement time. It's sort of a photojournalistic assignment. Here's here's what we're suggesting that we all do this week. We go out into the world and we take a a selfie-style photo of us and a neighbor in some fashion. Uh, Since we want to respect social distancing, you have to be a little bit creative about how you do it. You have to make contact with your neighbor and you say, Hey, um, my church is doing a photojournalism assignment on community in quarantine. Can I take a selfie with you? And and somehow figure it out, figure out how to frame it out. And I don't know, turn it into a conversation. Make it a conversation opener. See if you can uh, do something that's a little bit caring, a little bit uh, loving, a little bit encouraging with that moment. Uh, Snap a photo, Uh, we'll put it together in a montage. And among other things, it will be fun. Community has to be created. And in these times, community has to be created, creatively. So be it, man. Uh, That should be fairly easy to do with a little bit of thought. Have fun with it. So number one, make contact. Uh, Number two, it's clear to me that Peter and John left their house that day with a firm intent to be a blessing wherever they went. I mean, it must have been on their minds, right? Because then, when they walked past the crippled beggar, they were primed for it, right? They were open to the opportunity already. And that almost always is a matter of attitude. So these guys went out into their world with a commitment to be a blessing. And it empowered them to change the rules in the story. Uh, The beggar sat there, and he was asking for money. It was sort of an institution in that culture, as it still is in many places around the world for beggars to congregate around temples of various sorts on those days in which people go to the temples. And, and they just sit there and kneel there, or lay there, as the case may be, with their hand out. And they sort of have a little ritual asking for money, almsgiving, almsgiving. Um, you see this in many places uh, around the world uh, today. And there's a style to it, right? If you've ever traveled in countries where this takes place, the style is that the beggar holds out his or her hand or a cup or something like that, but the beggar does not make eye contact with you, right? The beggar looks beggarly, right? The beggar looks weak and pathetic. That's part of the deal, right? That's part of the ritual because there's, you know, there's there's an, there's role playing here, not necessarily fake role playing because, you know, beggars may well need the money, but but it's not a eye-to-eye sort of situation. So this guy was, was a beggar by profession. You know, it's what he did. So the crowd is just filing by, and he's just kind of doing his thing, um, asking for alms, asking for donations, asking for money. And Peter and John, because they were so intent on blessing, they took a moment to change the rules. Hey, look at me. I don't have any money. Silver or gold, I don't I don't have. I don't have. But what we have, we give to you. I'm gonna give you something that you didn't expect, but it's the thing that I have to offer. So they changed the rules. They reframed the interaction because they really wanted to be a, a blessing. I think one of the things you could discuss in this passage, if you were doing a your own Bible study or interacting over the passage in your Ohanan group is that you could discuss the fact that the disciples, uh, the leaders of the early church had no money because that's very interesting. It's very interesting when you go through life without having money or a lot of money. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, because if you don't have money, one of the things it forces you to do is it forces you to be creative. It forces you to think outside the box. So that's interesting Feel free to think about that, to discuss that among yourselves. Another interesting thing is that they were really willing to rely on supernatural power. It's one thing not to have any money. It's another thing to realize that you're not actually poor if you have supernatural power from the Holy Spirit. And and they were quite willing to use the power that God had given them. But again, I think the bottom line is that they were intent on being a blessing. And here's a, here's a rule of life. If you leave the house in the morning with a commitment to be a blessing to the people around you, you'll always come up with something. But it starts with that commitment. It starts with that attitude. i want to be a blessing today. I will find a way. You're asking me for money. Yeah, I can't bless you that way, actually. I don't have any money. But doggone it, I always have something to offer. So I'm going to do, do a miracle for you. Why not? I don't have any money, but I do have a miracle. Amen? Amen. So that was the second thing I noticed about the passage. Um, I've uh, worked in supernatural ministry uh, for a, a lot of years and um, tried to perform, I don't even know how many healings, over the decade. So I thought a lot about how to go about doing miracles like this. You know, every miracle needs a method, right? So I always notice the methods that uh, people in the Bible use when it comes time for them to throw down a a miracle. And Peter and John, in this instance, use a method that I I just call the confidence method. You know, it's, it's the confidence model. There was no prayer. They didn't stop and say to the beggar, hey, let me pray for you. and We'll ask God to come bless you. Uh, That's not how it goes down. I'll read it just because it's so interesting. And it just just drips with confidence. And the thing about confidence is it's another word for faith, isn't it? Confidence, confide, with faith is what it means literally. Uh, Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Just gives him a command out of the blue. And he didn't leave it there. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. It's, it's almost as if you know Peter doesn't, perform the miracle he just leads the guy through the miracle he just says hey you who can't walk walk here let me help you and then just grabs his hand and pulls him up he just leads him through the miracle and just it's like it's like Peter just assumed that it was gonna happen he was just so confident and the thing about confidence is that it's super contagious the most contagious thing about you is your attitude. And confidence is an incredibly contagious attitude. Uh, The only other attitude I know that is as contagious is fear. Fear is an incredibly contagious thing. But so is confidence. And again, another word for confidence is faith. Faith is incredibly contagious. If you have a lot of faith, if you have a lot of confidence, and you move in it, I mean like really move in it, like really cultivate it and manifest it in yourself. Well, it's very transmissible. It's more transmissible than any virus. It will go out from you and just infect the people around you. And it will infect them with expectation, and with optimism, and with strength, and with health, and with, well, miracles, as it turns out. We have read a lot our recent series from the Gospel of Matthew and the opening of the book of Acts on the power of faith. And I, I think we probably don't trust it enough. Just simple faith attitude. Just simple confidence. The ability to look someone in the eye and say, you know what? Things are going to be okay. We're going to do this. It's going to be good. And we have the right to do that uh, because we are followers of Jesus. And Jesus was a guy who conquered death after all. Come on, give me an amen. So Peter just says to this guy, hey, you know, here, let's get you up, man. Let's get you up. He manifested faith and it triggered the miracle. We triggered the miracle. Do you you have confidence to share? Do you have enough confidence to share? Or maybe a good diagnostic question right now would be, what are you sharing in? Are you sharing in a spirit of confidence in in your life right now? Or are you sharing in a spirit of fear with people right now? Where are you living? What are you doing? How are you behaving? They're both powerful, you know, faith and fear. Uh, What are you sharing in right now in in your life? Uh, Great question, Uh, and that's a question uh, that maybe you want to discuss with God. Get with God on that. Get with God on that. Uh, Finally, uh, this event, as it turns out, was sort of a a revelation to people. Uh, The people of Jerusalem, they had heard about Jesus' ministry. They had heard about Jesus' miracle work, you know. And now they're like, wait a minute, it's still happening? This was like the first big public miracle, big public healing of the, of the post-Jesus era. Like, wait, these sorts of things are still happening, uh, even though that Jesus fellow was, was, was gone? Uh, and yes, you know, Jesus' work is still alive in his followers. Can I get amen on that? Amen. Uh, and this is a revelation to the crowd uh, about it. And, and Peter explains this. Uh, <clears throat> when the crowd came to, they congregated around uh, Peter and John in, in the temple, in a, in a section of the temple called Solomon's Colonnade. Peter saw this and he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power, our godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, this fellow Jesus, and you asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this, and it's by faith in the name of Jesus that this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him, the confidence that comes through him, that this guy was given his complete healing, as you all can see. Peter kind of just explains this new era. He says, look. Uh, you did not treat Jesus very well, actually. God sent the Holy One. God sent the Messiah. And you know what? You all killed him. You might want to get on the right side of that. You might want to repent. You might want to come around to a new way of thinking. That's part of Jesus or Peter's little sermonette here uh, as well. Uh, but he says, you know, if you have faith in Jesus, he supplies you with what you need. He makes incredible things possible Um, It's by faith in Jesus, the power that that releases, that this man uh, was was healed. In short, I would summarize that by saying, uh, the kingdom of heaven is still now. It's kind of what Peter is communicating to the crowd. When, When Jesus showed up on earth, the thesis statement to his ministry, his introductory sermon was, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is tangible. You can get a grip on it right now. That's what Jesus said. And then for the rest of his ministry, the rest of his public ministry, Jesus went around demonstrating what the kingdom of heaven was like. There are no sick people in heaven. uh, So when the kingdom of heaven on earth encounters sickness, the sickness gets cured. There's no poverty in heaven. So when the kingdom of heaven on earth encounters poverty, people get provision, even if it has to happen miraculously, as in the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And even though at this point in the story Jesus has been killed and is absent, uh, has gone to heaven, the kingdom of heaven is still at hand. The kingdom is now, and the kingdom is still now, Peter is saying to the crowd. No matter what's going on, no matter what has happened, no matter what people do, no matter the temper of the crowd... Uh, the kingdom of God is at hand for any of us who commit ourselves to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven, all the time. No matter what the situation is, the kingdom of heaven is still now, is still at hand for those of us who are committed to the kingdom. So there's no normal time for the kingdom of heaven. Right? The kingdom is always, is always happening. There's no out of season to the kingdom of heaven. Or you could put it this way, the kingdom of heaven is always abnormal, so don't worry about it. The kingdom of heaven is always breaking in and kind of screwing up normal, changing the rules. So be it. And that can happen at any time. There is no script to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is constant improvisation for those of us who participate in the kingdom of heaven. It is constant creation. It is constant invention, which makes it fun, which makes it powerful, and which requires a lot of confidence and abnormality to your life, should you choose to live in the kingdom. A constant improvisation in any and all situations. Peter is basically saying, you know, people could murder Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is still now. Uh, People in our world could try to murder the idea of Jesus. The culture of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is still now. Uh, Christians could get cancelled in popular culture. The kingdom of heaven is still now. It doesn't really matter. We would still have all the miracle working power that there is. We don't need any particular environment to bring the kingdom. Now is good. Now is good. When does the kingdom come? Now. Now is good. Everybody say, now is
2: good.
4: Now Now is good. good. Now is good. Now is good. Now is good. Uh, Now is good uh, for the kingdom of heaven to come into your life, into our life, into our communities, into our communities of quarantine, whatever the situation is. Now is a good time. But you've got to be willing to interrupt normal, Right? You've got to be willing to interrupt normal. That is always the case where the kingdom is concerned. Well, how do you interrupt normal? One advantage we have in the world right now is that there really is no normal. So I think people are very interruptible. You just have to make up your mind to do it. Maybe it's going to take some crazy photojournalistic homework assignment from your church to go out and interrupt normal a little bit. That doesn't really matter. People are interruptible. Make the most of it. And if this story is any guide, then, you know, maybe you want to think of uh, a few steps that you could take along the way. Number one, you got to make contact with people. I mean, true contact with people. You actually have to look people in the eyes, literally or metaphorically. Like, hey, I'm here. Hey, so are you. Huh. How about that? How about that? Let's, let's make a thing of that. Let's see what we can do in... in Maybe Jesus can be glorified and somebody's life can be changed. Number two, you have to think aggressively about being a blessing, right? You have to intend to do this. Otherwise, you're just going to walk on by the opportunity. Uh, You're just going to see the beggar instead of seeing the the proto-miracle that could be, you know? Uh, every, every beggar is an opportunity. Every crisis is an opportunity. Every opening is an opportunity. So you have to really intend to be a blessing today. You have to intend to be a blessing. You open that door and take a step out of your house, be a blessing somewhere. Uh, number three, you have to deal in confidence, which is faith. Don't sell that short. Attitude is the most contagious thing about you. And confidence and faith has never been at a higher premium than it is now. Trust it, trust it, and trust God. And then finally, you have to commit to the kingdom of heaven. You have to commit to the kingdom as Jesus did it. Not as some mystical, faraway, vague idea, but commit to the kingdom as Jesus did the kingdom. And Jesus ministered the good order of the kingdom wherever he went. You have to commit to the kingdom as Jesus did it and not commit to any other sort of social agenda. The kingdom of heaven is our social agenda. It is what we do. Uh, So bring it as Jesus brought it with some preaching, with some miracles, with some compassionate care and contact. You've read the Jesus stories. You know what? to do. You are a a blue water Christian. You know exactly how to minister. This is not lost on you. So uh, here's an application point. Well, here's an assignment. Here's another homework assignment. Um, Here's a phrase to frame the assignment. The phrase is, well, normally I would just walk on by, but... That's a very powerful phrase. Normally I just walk on by, but." And have that phrase running through your mind during the day. Normally, I just, I just walk on by this neighbor. But normally, I just sort of politely wave. But I don't know. Maybe there's just a tiny bit more. Normally, I just walk on by. But instead, I'm going to make contact. Instead, I'm going to be a blessing, dang it, somehow. And I'm going to approach it with faith, with confidence. And I'm going to bring the kingdom, because I have limitless miracle-working power uh, at my back. And I'll find something to do, uh, a provision, a supernatural thing, maybe just love and compassion, throw down. Um, whenever I, I, I think about uh, stuff like this, you know, that phrase, well, normally I just do this. But what the heck? Um, I think of this, what, what has become in my life an iconic story uh, and for some of you Blue Water veterans, it will be a familiar story because I've told it before. This happened to me in, in high school. Um, there was a, a gal in our high school who was moving away. Um, she'd had a family crisis, a family breakdown. And uh, so she was uh, so moving out of town. She was going to live in another state. Uh, and she's you know, a, a decently popular uh, girl that a lot of us knew. And I knew that, that she was going through a hard time and her family had gone through a A hard time she didn't really particularly want to move she didn't want to leave high school and all of her friends and so it was her last day of school and she was leaving town and I knew when um, her uh, her dad was coming to pick her up Um, and uh, so what I did is as the time approached um, I I skipped out of class that's not the part that I'm proud of kids Uh, but I don't know it's a small school you could get away with things like this I skipped out of class and I ran out into the parking lot uh, right before her dad showed up. And I said, I'm sorry to see you leave. And I gave her a hug, just gave her a hug goodbye. And then I went back to class. That's the entirety of my ministry. That was all I did. I just said, man, I'm going to give her one more hug goodbye. I went out there and I did it. And then she took off. And I had no communication uh, with her from there. We didn't have email and stuff like that back in those days. But several months later, several months later, I got a letter from her. A letter, if you don't know, kids, is like written on paper and then it's put in an envelope and there's a stamp on it and you send it through mailboxes. It was a thing that we used to do. But I got this letter from her, and the letter she said, you know, hey Jordan, you know. Uh, How you doing? This is where I am now. Look, I just wanted to say something to you. That hug that you gave me on that last day was super significant for me. And it turned out that she was was thinking about killing herself because she was so depressed about leaving. And the thing that made her decide not to was a tiny bit of affection in the parking lot before she left. It was just enough encouragement that she said, it got me thinking in a different direction. And and I, I didn't kill myself and I just wanted you to know. And I took, that, I took that to heart. One of the reasons I took it to heart because we already had a couple kids kill themselves in my class that year, and, and, uh, and I had missed those. I had missed those. I think you know we always feel like, well, what could I have done to prevent those? And you don't necessarily know, but, but you'd love to have been able to do something. Well, here's an instance in which I prevented a suicide by doing something that really wasn't all that big. I just felt a little prompting, and I took it. It was one of those moments where I could have said, well, you know, normally I would just let this happen. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm in class. But I decided to be slightly abnormal and to bring a tiny little bit of the love of Jesus to someone as a parting blessing. And it ended up changing a life and changing lives down down the road because, of course, uh, she grew up and has her own family now. And that's been an iconic story for me, um, seizing on a moment, um, just because, and good things happening as a result. You can never tell, can you? Normally I'd, I'd walk right by this, normally I would just, I'll let this moment pass, but I want to make something happen, something. I don't, I don't know what. Uh, I can ask the person a question. You know, I can start a conversation. It's not difficult, it's not particularly fancy to do something like that, but you never know, it could, it could lead to life change. It could even lead to a miracle if you have the confidence to try something like that. Me, I love, I love the provocative question, particularly right now in which there is no normal for people. And I'll have a conversation with people and I will ask them a question that maybe they didn't quite expect. I'd say, hey, what's been the best part of the quarantine for you? the best part of the quarantine. Well, let me think about that. And that started one or two significant conversations uh, for me. Antonio, if, if you were going to make contact with someone and start a conversation, how would you do it?
2: Um, I'd probably just uh, get the conversation rolling. Um, and when I did that, I, my, my, it, I'm always interested in what, what is important to someone. What someone is passionate about, so I'll probably center the conversation around that, and uh, that's how I that's how
4: I start. Start the conversation, and in some way, shape, or form, try to figure out what is important to that person, what they're passionate about. Steer the conversation that way. Yep. Interesting, Julie. How would you? How would you start uh, a changeful conversation with someone?
0: Uh this week I tried offering someone a ride to the store because they were on their boat and didn't have a car
4: offered someone a ride. That's a great thing then, to do right now.
0: And then as we were driving, I was like, how's your heart doing during this time?
4: How is your heart dur- doing during this, this time? How's your heart dur- doing during the quarantine? Great. It's a great question. How, how, a good conversation? Yes, it did. So Ben, how about you? How, how, would, uh, how would you open a conversation uh, with someone who was around? You know, usually i
2: compliment them first, and then build rapport. And then, then I asked them you know, a provocative question, like, if they're having a hard time, I might say, well, how are you holding up in this time?
4: How are you holding up in this time? Yep.
2: And then they would, you know, share. You know, I've been asked that, and I open up more easily because it's an empathetic question that um, it assumes that I might be having a hard time. And so I'm more open to sharing my heart with that person.
4: All right. Nick. Behind the camera, how would you start a conversation?
2: Well, I think it's, as you've talked about
4: before, it's easier to start that conversation now than ever before because there's this one thing that everybody is on everybody's mind, so you can guarantee... The fact that we're all in the crisis together is an almost automatic conversation opener. You don't have to know anything about the person. You know that they're thinking about this crisis. That's interesting. You don't need to know anything about the person. You already know that they're thinking about the crisis. Right. So I'll ask something similar to Ben, where it's like, um, how are you holding up? And then a lot of times I'll, I'll just follow up with, you know, are you bored at home yet? Are you bored at home yet? Yeah. And a few times, they'll just say yes, and then it moves on. But more, more often, the answer I get is, no, actually. And then they share something that's Interesting. You out. ask people if they're bored, and they say, well, no. Actually, this is going on in my life. And boom, there you are. You've made contact and something's going on. Yeah. yeah. You have an actual conversation happening. Um, you know, I, all easy ways, I think, just to make contact with people around you. I mean, like metaphorically, those sorts of questions and interactions are ways to look people in the eye right? and to be present and human for one another. And even miracle stories start with that, as it turns out, as we see in Acts chapter Three, normally I would walk right by this neighbor. Normally I'd walk right by this person. Normally I just kind of go on with my business, but what if I behave abnormally right now? What if I do something off script? What if I create a moment? What if I bring confidence and the kingdom to bear? What might happen? Well, you know, it turned out that what happened in Jerusalem uh, in the first century A.D. was a lot of unqualified people uh, started a movement that changed the world. It's a great time to embrace abnormal. There's a lot of abnormality going on. It's a great time to embrace it and to make something beautiful happen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we pray as Jesus taught us, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In these lean times, in these uh, economically trying times, give us our daily bread and give us a generous heart to share. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. Don't let us drift into fear and false comforts and complaint, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Protect us from the physical threats and also the emotional and the spiritual ones. Let us be people who spread light instead of becoming afflicted by darkness. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you put in our hearts Uh, forgiveness and generosity, and not blame and blame casting. We pray, Lord, that we would be the people of grace in a time that sorely needs it. Let your people be your people. We pray that the ministry and the power of Jesus would be in his people today. In Christ's name, everyone says, It's the first Sabbath of the month that our custom to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Um, if you read your Blue Water newsletter this week, uh, you have probably already assembled the elements. If not, you can pause the video right now, scramble, get yourself a little bread, a little juice um, that you can share around if necessary. On the night before he died, Jesus was sharing one final meal with his disciples and his friends, and he took the loaf of bread that they were sharing and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat. In the same way he took the common cup of wine that they were sharing and he said, "This, this is the blood of the new covenant. Take it and drink. And then he said, as often as you do this, as often as you share in this meal together, remember me. Jesus was highlighting a sort of community that he would have with believers for the rest of time. Share in the sacrifice that he made for us. Contemplate the lifestyle of sacrifice uh, that we lead uh, for one another. Take your elements at your leisure. Share it with the people around you. God bless you. Be the community of Christ in the world.
3: everyone thank you again for joining with us today in this hour of worship we are so blessed to have an incredible faith family with whom to walk in this challenging and uncertain time remember that this time is also an incredible and rare window of opportunity and i pray that this week you and i will respond to the lord with faith and action in every area where he's inviting us to follow If you've got a prayer request, or maybe it's just time for some breakthrough in an area of your life, please email julie at bluewatermission.org. Include your phone number, and someone will call you back between 10.30 and 11 a.m. today. Be happy to pray with you. Consider some of the really cool volunteer opportunities you've been hearing about, maybe helping to deliver food with um, Connor and the Salvation Army, or helping to feed some of our homeless populations. It's a really rare and important time for us to be reaching out. If you have found this video to be good news to you, consider passing it on to a friend or family member. Now, let me leave you with this blessing from Isaiah 55 Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he's near. Let the wicked man forsake his own way and the unrighteous man his own thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion and to our God for he will freely pardon. This is a great week for good news for you and for me and for many in our communities. Be blessed, be safe, and we will see you soon.